Hey guys, it's Throwback Thursday time and I'm bringing you a chat with FBI negotiator Chris Voss. Now, I love Chris. Uh, I mean, can you even imagine, like talking live, talking to actual kidnappers, hostage takers, terrorists? I mean, what do you say to them? The pressure that's on you to say the right thing. I can't even talk to a girl in a bar. <laughs> So Chris Voss is a master at this stuff, and he gives us all these little phrases that we can use and very specific things that can influence people, you know, when we're trying to negotiate. Anyway, tons of value in this episode. I hope you appreciate this refresher. Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. What if two simple words could transform every negotiation? Welcome everyone, Kevin Cruz here. We're gonna learn how to talk anyone into anything in just a minute. But first, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at leadx.org. Each super short issue has actionable tips to advance your career and to fulfill your potential. Visit leadx.org. Our guest today is a 24-year veteran of the FBI. He retired as their lead international kidnapping negotiator. Today, his company specializes in solving business communication problems with hostage negotiation solutions. He's the CEO of the Black Swan Group and the author of the national bestseller, Never split the difference, negotiating as if your life depended on it. Our guest is Chris Voss. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Kevin. An absolute pleasure to be here with you today. Uh, honored to have you. And you know, we're going to talk about never split the difference in just a minute. But I always start with a question that our listeners are, are just you know universally curious about, which is take us back to an early uh, point in your career when you failed and what did you learn about it? Well, it was uh, it was a kidnapping that I was working in the Philippines, and it was it was early uh, after I became a full time negotiator, and I was really I was unofficial the bureau's lead international kidnapping negotiator, and I still had a mentor that was helping me, and boy, I, th I thought we had it nailed. I thought we were going to get the victims out, and uh, the bad guys uh, they reneged on the agreement they made with the family, they didn't let them out, and. And even though they didn't kill him, about a month and a half later, there was a botched rescue attempt. It was a Burnham Sabero uh, kidnapping in the Philippines. And two out of three of our remaining hostages were killed by friendly fire on this botched attempt. And, you know, I, it was to me, it was the worst. It was a low, uh, low point in my, in my professional career. I mean, I just for me, it was horrible. And I suppose it's almost self-centered to say that because, you know, nobody in my family died. So however bad it was for me, it was worse for the, the victims' families. But it was a, an extreme low point for me. And I and I remember when I was sitting by myself in the dark thinking about that, I was just saying to myself, this is never happening again. We're never, we're never going to let this happen again. I don't care what I have to learn. I don't care where I have to go. I don't have to, how I have to do it. We have to get better. So it was actually that um, failed negotiation experience that then set you off on this journey to learn these techniques that are a, a little different than what we usually hear, right? Yeah, well, I went outside. I knew what we did in that case. I, I knew we'd run everything by the numbers, if you will. I knew I knew 
I was good, but even more important at the time, I was in touch with everyone on in the bureau, and I had this great team around me. So I knew with with my boss and the people that I worked with that we'd done everything that we could possibly do. And that's when I really started looking outside of hostage negotiation, a business negotiation. And that was really when I began to make the connections between the two to take the best of business negotiation and put it in hostage negotiation and vice versa and just evolve and get better. And I was really driven to make it all better. Makes a lot of sense. Now, Chris, your newest book is Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It. And, you know, listeners, I most of you listeners out there know I read almost a, a book a day. You know, last year I probably read over 200 books. And for those of you who keep an eye on my Facebook page, you'll see uh, in December a whole stack of probably 50 wrapped books that I was sending out as gifts. And it was actually Chris's book that I sent, you know, to 50 clients and friends as the book of the year. So uh, I'm excited about uh, about this. And there's so much gold in this book. I encourage everyone to, to buy it and read it and reread it. Because we uh, have limited time, Chris, we're just going to hit a couple of the highlights and some things that I think people can apply right away. All right. So the first is that, you know, you actually write in your book that there's one thing that if there's a Jedi mind trick out there, this is pretty close. And it's the practice of mirroring. And what do you mean by that? What is mirroring? What do I mean by that? Yeah. You know, it's repeating what someone just said, just like I did just now. When you said, what do I mean by that? (laughs) Yeah. And what it does is it. It creates more reception from the other side, and it focuses attention, and it gives them an eye, an opportunity to sort of dial in more with you, and you dial in more with them. And then if they want to add to it and expand on it, um, it gets more information. So one, it's one thing that causes almost a completely unresponse, uh, unconscious response for the person to want to go on. And I did it in a, in a bank robbery with hostages. And we got the bank robber to make confessions about the crime before he even realized uh, what he was saying. And I've got a client of mine. And again, it's just repeating the last three words of what someone has just said. And it makes people more receptive to you. It makes them want to go on. Uh, One of my clients likes to do it in every bargaining situation. He always mirrors the other side's position because their response tells him how solid they are on and or whether or not there's any softness in their position. So. It's one of the great and the simplest, most awkward thing to do. I mean, I, I had uh, was teaching my class at USC last night, and I started them out mirroring because I said the barrier to learning is not complexity. The barrier is awkwardness. And I got to get people over being awkward mirroring somebody else because it's just so effective in getting people to talk. Yeah, it might feel awkward to mirror, but the person you're doing it to has no idea. It's not awkward to them at all, right? Right, right. And I actually – so some people do is when I t- when I'm teaching them mirroring, they'll they'll mirror me in the middle of it, and I go, yeah, that, you know that's what I mean. I want you to keep talking, and then they'll say, did, did I just do it to you? And I'll be like, holy cow, you know, don't do that to me. You're not supposed to Jedi the Jedi Knight. You know, I get Jedi all the time with this silly thing. I love it. And then you also have uh, another sort of word pair. You say. Getting the other side to say the words, that's right, can transform the entire negotiation. What do you mean? Why do we want to, how do we do it? And why is that so important? You know, it's, that is the single biggest breakthrough moment. And more people have just crashed through more barriers by getting their counterpart to look at them and say, it's right. 
And it's what people say when they believe what they've just heard is a complete truth. And, you, and you've got to say it from the other side's perspective. You've got to be able to say the things to them that you're actually afraid of. And as soon as you're fearless with your that's rights, and, and most people are used to your right. Your right is an addiction. There's, there's two negotiation addictions, I think. You know, Your right and yes, they take us hostage all the time. We love them so much. Mm. We're so... We desire them, but and your right is one of those things because your right is what we say to people to get them to shut up and go away. You know, you, you, your boss is giving you a hard time about something you have no intention of doing. When you look at your boss, you go, "You're right, you're right." Mm. You know, chewing you out for behavior that you, <laughs> you have no intention of changing. But that's right is like you know, uh, people watching a presidential debates, Hillary and Trump. Whoever you were for, when they said something you thoroughly believed in, you looked at the screen and you said, "That's right." You know, you don't you don't say when you totally believe something, you don't say you're right. You know, you didn't look yeah. at the screen when Donald Trump said something. You said you're right. You said that's right. And that's uh, a, an epiphany moment that you trigger in the other side. And it establishes a bond where they want to throw something on the table that helps you. So is it let me let me uh, go a little bit deeper on this question. then. so similar to mirroring, uh, is this sort of a. Uh, um, something that you would echo back their position or echo back their thoughts to get them to to know that you've heard them? Is that what's going on here? Uh, you know, great question. You, you want to paraphrase them and then you want to say something that's at the heart of what, what's driving them. And, and you almost sound like you're talking them into it. An example I use in a book is a, a woman who was selling pharmaceuticals to a doctor and he wouldn't buy a new product that she had. And he said, you know, you're just not going to buy it from, from, from some pharmaceutical sales rep because your patients are more than just patients. They're people to you. And you feel responsible for their entire lives. And she, she said that, and she was almost sounding like she was trying to talk him out of the sale. Mm -hmm. But everything that was driving him that made him reluctant, she said it, and she said it from his perspective. And she said that when he art, she articulated it to him like that, he turned and looked at her as if he'd never seen her before and said, that's right. And she made the sale. So it's, it's a really it's a fearless thing. It's a very fearless approach. Now, I'm glad you shared that example because it explains to me, you know, she wasn't just mirroring back his words. She was actually getting to his beliefs, which, you know, your counterpart may or may not be so willing to share right away. So that's very powerful. Exactly. It's, it's their beliefs and how they see it. And. You write a lot about giving the other side the illusion of control when they when they make demands and repeated demands of you with sort of like open ended questions. How, how do you do that? Well, yeah. And the secret to gaining the upper hand in a negotiation is giving the other side the illusion of control. And a lot of people are very uh, uptight about whether or not they're in control. They want to talk. They want to feel good. And, and I, uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for President-elect Trump, but he's kind of, you know, he's this demanding sort of negotiator. And you notice that his son-in-law, Jared, has, has tremendous influence on him. Jared's mm -hmm. a quiet guy. And I can promise you that Jared gives uh, President-elect Trump the illusion of control a lot of times by asking carefully selected what and how questions. There's great power in deference. And the control-oriented aggressive negotiator, which was the negotiator that I had to learn how to get the upper hand on in kidnappings, as soon as you give them, make them feel in control, you ask somebody what or how, people love to be asked how to do something. They feel powerful. And from a deferential position, you've actually granted that power. And you're the one that now actually has the upper hand in the conversation. And, and 
it's it's a little bit it's uh, listeners judo, if you will. Uh, my, my that was uh, one of the contributions from my co-author Tall to the book. Uh, it's listeners judo. It's very it's it's a very strong way to proceed with a lot of confidence. And listeners, I mean, I just was, I'm jotting notes like crazy, and, and hopefully you heard what Chris said. I mean, power in deference. And I think so many people think there's power in power and try to, you know, over overpower a situation, come in big. There's power in deference and using these what and how questions. And, and Chris, again, there's so many additional, very uh, easy to apply tactics in your book, which is, which are great. Let me just, um, a lot of our listeners are, are, mid-career professionals, you know, either new in their role or they'll be, you know, looking at to take a new a new job inside or outside their company soon. What's general advice you give to people who are going to negotiate, you know, a, a new compensation package? How how do you take some of this stuff and apply it in that kind of a situation? Well, you know, um, price doesn't make deals and salary doesn't make your control or your, your career. Salary doesn't make your career. And you use a great word. It's It's package. And um, uh, is a good friend of mine who's a, a, a phenomenally successful executive, and, and I, he had hit on exactly what hostage negotiators do. Hostage negotiator negotiates the future. So what does that have to do with uh, business, and how do you negotiate your future in business? Every job that you take, the term that you should always include is, how can I be involved in the strategic projects that are critical to the future of the company? And you ask that question. It's a great how question. It's very deferential. And instantly you transform yourself to your boss and to your employer as someone who wants to guarantee their future. Two things happen. They love that. If you want to be involved in their the success for their future, now, first of all, they want to pay you more mm. because they want to retain you around. You're, you're not just there to get a paycheck and do your minimums and go home until you find another job. You are there looking out for the entire team and for them in particular. It's, a, it's an incredibly strong message. The other thing that does is, first of all, if you've asked and you don't get it, they remember you very favorably. Secondly, as you continue to ask, you will get involved in strategic projects, which then gives you immediate visibility with the highest levels of the company. Now you become someone that they, they are a go-to person that they trust. And your career will move forward faster consistently and steadily in an incredible wide bay, having this included in, in your salary because it sets you up for not only success now, but your negotiation is designed for your next year year's review because then you've been involved in these projects that have impacted the entire company. Wow, Chris, that's that's powerful. And like you said, even if you don't get uh, the salary today that maybe you were you're hoping for or striving for, it's almost inevitable that you're going to surpass that soon. If indeed you're you're attached to these you know strategic projects moving down the road. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And Chris, I'm even going to take it further. If if I'm ever job interviewing, I'm not even going to wait for the salary negotiation. I think this is such a powerful question. You start dropping it early in the interview process, and they're going to look at you as a different kind of candidate, don't you think? Uh, and that's exactly right, and that's the key to it, too, because I've gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of bosses and employers, and an employee never comes to them unless they want something. So the unfortunate part of that is bosses and employers look at companies or employees as self-centered. You only come in to see them when the words I want are on your mind. And this transforms you into from self-centered to we-centered to us-centered. Mm. And that is an instant 
subconscious triggering in the people that you work for that, that it's ridiculously powerful. Wow. Yeah. All of a sudden you're, you're on their side. That's great. So Chris, before we wrap up, I like to challenge our listeners to become 1% better every single day. So what's something you can challenge them to do today? As soon as they're done listening to this show, what are they going to do at work today? I dare you to let the other side make their point first. I dare you to get that right side of people. I dare you. I double dog dare you. <laughs> people, uh, the dynamic we have is we're so de determined to get our point across. We never let the other side go first because we're afraid of what they might say. But if you do this jujitsu move and let them go first and get it that's right, you're going to be stunned on how your day turns out. I love that. And and I want all the listeners to try this out and then let us know how it worked for them. I promise you that the people are going to be happy. They're going to have amazing days. That's great. Chris, what's the best way our listeners can find out more about you, your company, your book? All right. Um, two, two, two mechanisms. The website is blackswanltd.com, B-L-A-C-K-S-W-A-N-L-T-D.com. And a nice little hack, a nice little shortcut to keep up on everything is Subscribe to our complimentary newsletter and a simple way to do that, you know, the keywords, that's right, text, that's right with, with no punctuation and no spaces, T-H-A-T-S-R-I-G-H-T in the United States, text it to 22828, that's right, no spaces, no punctuations, T-H-A-T-H-S-R-I-G-H-T. And you sign up for the newsletter and it keeps you up with training. Um, it's designed in many ways like yours, succinct and actionable. And you can digest it and you can move forward and, and, and uh, find out about the book and everything else. Perfect. Nothing easier than to send a text. I'm going to send that text myself once we're, uh, once we're off the air. All right, friends, you've just been mentored by negotiation expert Chris Voss, a former FBI hostage negotiator. How cool is that? You can get links and show notes from this interview over at leadx.org. And one more thing, if you got even one new idea from today's show, just spend a minute, leave a short, honest review over on iTunes for me, because the more reviews a podcast gets, the more likely it is that iTunes is going to show it off to other people. Remember, leadership isn't about your title or power or authority. It's all about influence. I am a leader. You are a leader. We are all leaders. The question is, who are you going to lead today? <laughs>